In 10 seconds, you will hear a motivation mix for filmmakers in 2024, created from episodes of the last year of No Set Path. For more information and credits, please see the show notes or wait until the end of the episode. But for now, let's get you motivated. I feel like usually the moment when I feel like I'm about to give up is right when I'm up the cusp and the precipice of reaching the peak, you know? Some of your greatest triumphs will come after some of your greatest failures or setbacks. I would say almost at every point in my career, when I have experienced some of my greatest successes, it has been almost immediately after a huge setback or a huge disappointment. And I think that really helps to comfort me when unfortunate events like that happen because I know that I have the strength to bounce back from that and try to use that energy to do something that I care about because the reason it hurts so much is because I care so much. I I don't think of failure as failure. I think of rejection just as something that has to happen in order to get success. Um, It's just a stepping stone. Um, It's just like a little stepping stone on your way to your goal and on your way to your path. So um, I would say don't think of it as failure and just keep going. It's like rock climbing, you know? And then you kind of, you use that little rock, you use that stepping stone and it's not the top. You think it's the top, but it's not. Then you just have to move your foot to another little rock. It's just knowing that oh, we haven't quite reached that top just yet, but oh, this is really cool. And oh my gosh, I'm looking down. We're really far up now. Ah, we're far up. Oh my gosh. So it's that, it's that progression and it's being like, okay, that rock, it, it's gone. Or like now we're on a new rock. So it's these stepping stones mm. as opposed to like, I'm going to stay on the stone and the stone is shriveling away. It's like, no, move your foot. You're good girl. Keep moving your foot. Keep moving your foot. Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. We've got it. You cannot run a business or make big decisions when you're stuck in fear mode because you'll always make poor decisions out of a need to survive. So when you're taking care of yourself and taking care of the people around you, you create some of the best work possible because you're no longer doing it out of a fear. Like this needs to be it. This needs to be the thing that keeps me alive. And then you see like the people who are supporting you and that really helps having supportive fans and friends, everyone who's saying nice things and being there for you. Those help me too. So it's easier to say, you know, always think the positives, but really just try to think about the achievements you made so far. Be proud of yourself and be excited for the next big thing I think that really helps me keep going it's like been every step of the way has been reinvention and usually it's come from me feeling like I'm stuck like I'm banging at some door you know that is not opening and me deciding all right well rather than stand here and bang on this door I'm gonna go bang I'm gonna open another door Mm. and just see what else I could do. And so it hasn't been, it hasn't been like this plotted progression. It's been me feeling frustrated or getting fired or having a company collapse or something bad happening and having to pick myself up and go, okay, what am I going to do next? And having to bet on myself every time. And I think that's one of the things that I've, you know, really found is I'm really resilient and I let myself go down, but then I pick myself up and I Mm. just start going back to work. If you're too fixed on how your career needs to go, then that might stop you. There are so many different ways that you could get to where you want to be. So if you're not having any luck in one way, like try something else. Fall in love with the process, not the results. Because if you're super only focused on getting that produced feature or whatever the end goal is, you're going to be disappointed probably 95% of the time. So if you fall in love with the process and just find joy in, in you know the rewriting and all those sorts of things because you truly re- love the craft, it makes it a lot easier. Now, even still, I think what I've learned to do is redefine what a victory is in this business because it's easy to be like oh optioning a script is a victory getting a project greenlit is victory i mean that is like a massive 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 win and if you have that as like what a win is again you're probably going to get pretty defeated because those do not happen very often so for me like A win now is a pass, meaning someone read my script and took the time to check it out and gave me a pass. Like that to me is is something to be celebrated. And, you know, I think over time it was just one of those things where I did 
find myself becoming a little bit embittered and jaded and who who wouldn't be? And I think it was because I was focusing on the things that weren't going right and things that I couldn't control. As soon as I shifted my mindset, what can what can I control? Oh, well, I can brainstorm some new ideas for a rom-com. I can work on this script. I can do a rewrite here because I love writing. Let's focus on that as opposed to these devastating lows. Falling in love with the process getting an audition and you're excited, not because you might get the job, which is always exciting, but I think it's like I get to play and act for the next three days and create something as good as I can, and then you kind of forget it ever happened, and then hopefully down the road you get a, an email or a text or a, a call from your management and you're like, oh, sick. Fall in love with the process and trust the process. Um, don't focus so much on the results. Actually, this is actually kind of funny because um, in high school, there was a line on our media teacher's um, whiteboard that said, don't worry or do things for the money. Do it because you love and the money will follow. And I feel like that rings true to this day for a lot of things that I want to do is I feel like if I do something only because there's, you know, money to be made or anything like that, I will find myself burning out before I reach the end, as opposed to really falling in love with the process and trusting the process. Um, so in that sense, I like really try to stay oriented with goals in the long term by working at it every day, but I'm not trying to rush toward that goal in an unrealistic way where it becomes unsustainable for me. And the way I even think about that is like going to the gym, right? It's like I can't, if I'm completely out of shape or something, I can't suddenly be like, I'm gonna be 100% in shape in like four weeks. It's like, no, if I'm like, okay, I wanna get in shape, I'm gonna go consistently every day, do what I can, and start to fall in love with the process rather than push myself super hard in the beginning and burn myself up before any progress ever gets made. For anyone who's really, really driven, you have this idea of the, the steps that you're gonna go through and how you're gonna get there. And I think that that's important to have that mindset but not stick to it. We, we think of steps in so many ways and in all aspects, you know, you think about it for your career, you think about it in, in life. And I think that that can be very detrimental and oftentimes is not not true and I think that the biggest reason that it's not true is because as you as you get older as you progress in any way not only do things go in ways that you weren't expecting but also your definitions of success might change and so for for example for me at some point success might have been making a, a certain amount of money or it might be working on a project that has a certain budget or it might be getting creative control on a project or doing it through your own company or working with certain people and there's or getting certain accolades getting into certain festivals getting on certain platforms there's just a never-ending list of mm. ways that you can keep defining your success keep going don't give up which is is really common advice but i do think it's true you know you have to find some way to keep the fire alive and keep your enthusiasm alive in terms of like watching new movies music reading books doing anything that inspires you creatively to like keep that protected um from the basically the harsher realities of the world that <laughs> you know inadvertently can can kill that <laughs> Never give up. Just, you know, um, keep going. There's going to be a lot of doubts in your mind. I literally, a year ago at this point in time, had another breakdown where I was like, am I able of doing this? Um, always push past yourself that moment of doubt. I think when you have that, you know you are aiming towards that right um, trajectory. The second you're questioning yourself, what am I doing? And can I even do this? I think that's the time to le lean into it almost even a little further. You can't take anything personal. You have to just know who you are and you can't affix your personal worth on the project you're working on or the success of the project, even when it, not just the failure or success, even when it's successful. That I didn't, I took me a long time to say, I did not own that shame, I shouldn't have. You know, I was a representative for that company, I was not that company. So, and I was a, I was someone who worked on that film, but I, I am not that film. 
So I think that's what I wish someone had said to me, you know, you're inevitably going to have failures. Don't take them so much to heart. When you start attaching your self-worth, your identity to it, you get lost very quickly as a young person and you will not get rewarded. Your self-esteem will get depleted always because nobody's always on top. Nobody's always on top. Okay, so you have had periods where you're facing financial challenges and the future is unclear and people in your life were suggesting that you might want to try something alternative outside of film, but you didn't and you stuck with it. Why? I, I mean, I just couldn't see myself doing anything else. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just like that. <laughs> I say, if there's something else you can do, go do it because this business will beat you up. But if you feel like this is what you need to do, like you have to be a storyteller, which I feel, right? This is why I can empathize that if, with that. If you feel that, then you have to go pursue that and you should pursue that. There's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't. I guess there was no, once you kind of, it's like sunk costs. Once you're out here and you've done it, you know, you're like, you just have to, you have to keep going, because if not, what, what else would I do? The thing I can say is you have to want it more than anything. It has to be, you don't have a choice, and you have to go at it kind of fanatically. And, he, and, and it will never unfold the way you think it's gonna unfold. It's gonna unfold in unexpected ways, but if you keep going at it with everything you have, you will get there. I had no other alternative uh, or no plan B, so I just had to keep going. I'm like, well, now I can no longer afford to not write because it's what I was put on the planet to do. James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, among other many things, he gave advice once. He said, if you can imagine doing anything else, do that. It has to be, look, I can't imagine myself doing anything, but I want to try to be an actor. For me, it's... I just can't imagine doing anything else, really. I I love it so, so dearly. There are moments where you want to give up. I think part of it's just being like, what else would I do? You know, like, what else would I do with myself? You could pursue something else, but I love it. And I um, am moved by filmmaking. And it's it's what I've wanted to do with my life since I was like a, a, a little boy. It's funny for me, because like, I, have had so many low moments where it's like, this is just so not worth it. I'm gonna go be a, and then you think about it, like insurance claim suggester, no, car salesman, no, attorney, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> and you're like, what else is there? I guess I'll just buckle down and, and do another movie. So for me, it's like, there's just nothing else I'd rather do. Um, and I will say like, there is something magical about seeing your name pop up on the screen, even if it's the 32nd time. Like, when, if you're watching TV and it says, like, associate producer John Bird or written by John Bird, that's just, that's a magical thing that it does, it keeps you going in, in the dark moments. And especially, I would say, maybe my favorite experience as a writer-director is, like, hiring a cast, getting on set, and they, like, take the words that you wrote and they elevate them to a new level and they just put a twist on them that you never saw or something and it makes you feel like a genius, you know, like, wow, I wrote that. I wrote that. And she said it and it was so cool. I mean, I don't think anyone can work in any of the interrelated entertainment industries and not in a sense be their own producer. You have to be your biggest cheerleader. And sometimes it's it's hard and sometimes, you know, you're going to have self-doubt, but it is about building that every single day. Be yourself and don't feel any shame for it. Mm because I definitely, you know, I definitely really wanted to fit in in film school. I definitely wanted to like the same things that other people liked. And if I liked something that nobody else liked, I was like super self-conscious about it. The short answer is I saw a lot of my friends work and the success they had, and I wanted to make those movies because I saw their work and the success that they had. And I tucked away the, the, the interests of Brian or like childhood Brian, for the kind of things that I saw people responding to. I realized that my taste going into film school and coming out of film school kind of changed. Maybe not in the direction that was most inherent to me. At the time, if you asked me what kind of movies I wanted to make, it was very different than what I would say now. 10 years ago, I think I was trying so hard to not be the kid that I currently am. I love 
the inner child that I embrace right now. I think I'm a lot more kind to her than I used to be. And that's part of what makes Tubby a success is that we embrace our inner children and we're okay with treating them like real human beings and understanding that everybody has that piece of joy they need to connect with. And I think that's something I would tell my younger self is like, hey, laugh at that dumb joke. You know, watch your cartoons, do your doodles, write your scripts. Because right now, that's what's that's what's feeding you. <laughs> that is what is a career for you. And it's fun. And that's okay that that is also the same thing that is a career. And you should enjoy it. And I feel like also, and this may be about getting older too, is that I feel more fearless, right? I, I used to have a lot of fear about how I was perceived. Like I'm at the point where I give no more fucks. <laughs> like, there are no more left to give. I am myself, right? I'm very grounded in who I am. I own myself now pretty fully. And after I think a lot of people and particularly women being at war with myself for a long time. And now I'm kind of like, you know what? This is who I am. I have nobody else. I'm just gonna double down on this, right? I feel proud of who I am on the main and the things that I'm not proud of I'm actively working on on myself and so why wouldn't I be personal about that any progress is still progress and taking like a tangent because you're worried about how other people perceive you or making any decision based off how other people perceive you is usually bad <laughs> understand realizing your worth you know uh, not even related to like financial worth or whatever. But, you know, it's like like your worth as a human being, as a creative, uh, expressing yourself. That's invaluable, you know. And you deserve a voice, you know. An inherent, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's inherent. You have an inherent value, you know? and and I think believing that will take you far. You know, you are the one unique thing, right? The, every person has their own unique voice, their own set of experiences and, and worldviews that contribute to how they approach things. And, you know, just keep, you know, as a creator, hone in on that. And if you're a producer or someone else who's, you know, developing other people's creativity, also look for that, right? Because that kind of authenticity is what really drives things. Building experience and connections is very important, but at the end of the day, you have to kind of like the projects. Otherwise, you're not going to be as into it. You're not going to be as passionate. So make sure before you even get into all of that, you choose something that you will like, that you will be passionate about. But you find the thing that you're good at. You find your voice. That's all I can tell you. If you have an original voice, you'll find your way to a writer's room. You'll find your way to a deal. And you might not be, you might not be the star of the show you might not be the showrunner but you will be able to kind of lend your your flavor to the sauce you have to stay true to your authentic self stay true to your goals even if you don't know what your steps are along the way be willing to revisit your goals and adapt them and keep faith in yourself and build community take your time and to remember that it's not a race. And I think it's so easy to just go on this like downward spiral with Instagram and social media. And it's so important to remind yourself that someone else's success does not diminish yours. And just because you see one of your peers doing an amazing project that you would have wanted to do or whatever, it doesn't mean you can't get a project of that caliber in the future at all. And it doesn't mean that they're more talented. It's just that that opportunity was at the right place, the right time for them. Mm. And it'll happen for you when it does. I'm now using those peers of mine, like more so as like inspiration rather than intimidation, you know? Like I'm not mm. getting like jealous of it. I'm more so using it as inspirational. I want to get to that point. That's fucking sick that they're mm. doing that, you know? And if they hire somebody else, maybe that person's just better for that position. That doesn't mean that you're never gonna get a job again. The biggest thing I try to avoid in this business is bitterness and competition among my fellow writers. I try to have solidarity. Whoever gets that job, I'm happy for them, you know? Sometimes it's hard, sometimes you really want that job. Take deep breaths, meditate, and just remember that the job will come if you keep chipping away at it, it will come. You know, there are people, Michelle Yeoh, you know, had their breakthroughs, got the Oscar much later in her career than I'm sure she expected. Believe, if you believe in yourself, if you truly believe in yourself and you're willing to put the work in to turn your dream into action, 
You'll find your way. There were moments where I've second-guessed myself in terms of, am I doing the right career choices? Am I on the right show? Should I have stayed with so-and-so a, a few years ago or, or whatever? You know, and I often get anxious about that, you know, second-guessing myself. Am I doing the right thing? And I, I hope I am. But like the title of your show is, there's no set path. You know, you can go in all sorts of ways and, and you know, circle back to where you're going. As long as you're happy and enjoying what you're doing, I think that's what's most important. Don't worry so much about comparing yourself to other people. Like, oh, well, so-and-so edited this feature and they're 10 years younger than me or whatever. You know, that's okay because some people don't make their, quote, big break till they're age 50, 60 later. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep trying. Stay happy doing it, though. Don't suffer at a job that you hate. I'm someone who I actually hate talking about myself or my accomplishments. Like, I'm someone who likes to downplay um, what I do because I don't feel like my personality and who I am is defined by what I do, but rather how I like to treat people and I like to treat everybody with kindness and um, full understanding as much as I can. Um, and so I'm sometimes not the greatest at selling myself and so a lot of times I feel like you know my mantra is always like undersell over deliver and there are times where I feel like maybe my idea of underselling isn't necessarily doing me the favor of furthering myself and so I think I feel very lucky and blessed to be surrounded by such a strong support network who recognize that I work very hard and who almost become the champions for me. When I initially thought of this idea, I was honestly a bit nervous at first because even though a lot of people in the room were also Asian and biracial, I was so scared that I'd pitch this premise and they would be like, you imposter, like how dare you, like don't know how to speak your mother's language and all this stuff. And I was just so scared, like wow, no one's gonna be able to relate to me or this experience and they're gonna call me a fraud and wanna vote me off the island or something. But luckily it was actually a really wonderful experience. I pitched the episode and everyone in the room like immediately lit up and we were sharing all these personal stories about our lives and our experiences of not feeling Asian enough and then it just kind of started spiraling and we realized like, wow, we have something here and we really want to tell this story on this show. We were always coming from a place of genuine authenticity. We never lied. We never said, even to our first client, we said, yeah, we're brand new matchmakers, but we've been doing this our entire lives. So I think that what my suggestion is, if anybody's experiencing imposter syndrome, it's that just be really genuine. Obviously you don't have to say, this is my first ever client that I've ever worked with ever. I don't know that we went that far to say that, but we said, yeah, we're in year one of business, mm. but we have been and lean on, lean on authenticity and keep reminding yourself of how talented you are at what you do. There's just something that clicks. I think there's something that just clicked with me where I was just like, these people need what we're doing. They need us. So yeah. yes, in those first moments of writing an email, I remember being like, oh my gosh, like, ah, oh, they're gonna, ah, oh, they're gonna know I'm so young. And like, and then it was just like, no, I'm in flow. And then you get in flow, something clicks and you just, that goes away. Listen, I will say this, I have not known what I was doing so much of my career. I so many times have had ambition or vision or an instinct and have just said, all right, I'll take a shot at that and learned so much, made so many mistakes, you know, been willing to be humbled and happily humbled, honestly, because that's really how you learn. I feel like that continues to this day. I'm still learning and still reinventing, you know, what I want to do next. I would say that a lot of our success comes from the fact that we reached out to people when we didn't know what we were doing. My dad is the one who suggested an LLC. Juliet's the one who suggested reaching out to her aunt to develop the plush toys. I think we have the great fortune of being surrounded by people who wanted to see us succeed, mm. even knowing that we didn't know what we were doing.
Some people are natural on camera. I definitely wasn't. I felt so awkward. I even now I stutter all the time and most of those are edited, you know? So when you see someone being perfect on camera, a lot of them are edited. They edit out all the ums and like like <laughs> and you have to practice it, but once you get used to it, you it really is just like talking to a friend. That's how I see it. Mm. So it's not something that you will be good from the beginning. That's okay. As long as you keep doing it and you actually like it, you shouldn't force yourself for sure. But if you actually like the process, you'll get good at it. It was very interesting being an apprentice writer because obviously I felt so lucky and grateful for the opportunity, but at the same time, I was the greenest writer in the room. I had the least experience. I was the youngest. And it was kind of intimidating at first, even though all the writers could not have been more welcoming and more accepting and willing to teach me. I definitely struggled with a lot of imposter syndrome. And I think eventually just through the support of the other writers on the show and other friends who were in similar positions, I was able to realize that similar to the theme of this show, that I am enough and that even though I am new to this, it's totally okay if I make mistakes, but I should also trust in my own abilities and trust that I am capable. You have to be proactive about finding ways of making yourself marketable, I guess, in, in a job space, particularly out of film school. I don't know, I think a lot of people use social media to kind of market themselves in the film space. Not everyone has to. But like, it's pretty easy to do that as a cinematographer because it's like a one-to-one -one, like indicator of like, oh, the image looks good. Yeah. <laughs> that must mean they're a good cinematographer. I've always been very network-minded in the sense that I'm always trying to like keep relationships going. And if I sense that there might be an opportunity to work with someone, trying to stay in their mind in some way, saying yes to opportunities that, again, didn't necessarily fit in with the narrative of what I wanted to do. Community is so essential. The reason I have success is because of the beautiful LA community, the amazing people in Hollywood, in Beverly Hills, the lovely people. There yeah. are such good people in the entertainment industry. There are. I, I sort of proceed from this perspective. I believe that on a base level, we are more alike than we are different. People want the same things. They want security, comfort, meaningful work, community, you know, a full belly, a roof over their heads. I, you know, I don't think really much more than that. I think people really are more alike. And I think that we can figure out how to connect once we get past all the noise. I think when you're a good person, people gravitate towards you. And so we gravitated towards really good people. And we tried to teach, treat them as well as they treat us. And I, at least I hope they feel the same way. You keep surrounding yourself with really good people. Your friends are the most important, you know, uh, assets to your success. And you might not think it at the time, you might think you're a lone wolf, but you actually, you, you need people, you need good community. And valuing that community and investing in that community is the best thing you can do. Something that really helps me during those low times was like the community and the friendships that I've built here. I'd say especially in the past couple of years, I've tried to make a huge effort to surround myself with people who allow me to be myself. I think growing up, and honestly this might be related to my experience being biracial too, I really fell into the trap of always people pleasing and always trying to be a social chameleon just so that people would like me. And I feel like this has really been a huge turning point in my life when I've really developed the attitude of, so what if people don't like me? I really don't want to waste any more time not being myself. And in the past couple of years, when I've start, started being myself more and sharing my goofy sense of humor, um, I've found some really beautiful friendships through this and friends who, I, who really know me and I don't feel like I have to pretend around. I mean, you don't even have to be in the industry to understand that concept. Like, there's always going to be people that you vibe with more than others and people that feel more in line with your goals and your aspirations. So I think it's just really important about identifying those people early on and just knowing that, yes, I can see this person as a constant in my life and just really keeping up those relationships and honestly not keeping up the ones that aren't going to provide you that. I think it's really important just to like be consciously identifying the people that you do want to keep a relationship with and that you don't care to and it's nothing against like the people that you don't care to but you just know that that person 
isn't going to be beneficial to your growth and you're not going to be beneficial to their growth. Your boss is not necessarily going to network for you or make connections for you. You have to, and I also am not much of a networker. I see myself more as an organizer, that it's less about the promotion of my career, more about the promotion of the greater good. Um, and I just try to actually see people as human beings rather than on ramps to my own career. So I didn't really ever ask anybody for this or that. And some of the people that I met when I was an assistant were at a lower level. Maybe they were an associate manager, my current manager. I met him when he was an associate manager. So he hadn't made it his way up to now. But when I came back a couple years later, now he was a manager on the rise, you know? So a lot of those people, you, you had to like kind of organize horizontally. Instead of just always trying to get the attention of the biggest person, you organize horizontally. You see those people who will grow into something, who have potential. And he read my script and he loved it and he called me. He's like, let's try to make this. Just any connection is a good connection. But once you're in the industry or like when you get your first job, like network laterally as well as up, nobody necessarily gave me that advice, but that was like my approach that like network with people at your level because you never know like who's going to move up to what and also just support each other and help each other get work. And yeah, so many people that I started off PAing with <laughs> rose up so quickly. And, and I think just be have a good relationship with people and have fun. Coming from a place of service as well, because I think a lot of, it's really easy to be like, hey, how can you help me? You know, like, um, like oh, I want to be an actor. Like, oh, you're a, you're a guy, like, can I get on? And I think it's just being cool, being, you know, just, hey, that's awesome. And like, how can I help? Because you never know what connection can lead to a job one day. It totally. probably won't be immediately. Sometimes it can be 10, 15 years later. Also to be friendly. Like everyone loves like a friendly person. Friendly, positive, work hard, be brave. And then you're gonna get what you want if you do all those things. I think that, you know, be, be smart and be strategic and figure out situations where multiple people can benefit from them because you're not gonna, you're not gonna fully get to where you want to be and you might not even feel good about it if you're trying to just move yourself up but not be not think about the people that are around you I think that my career is so much an example of that so far and how the same people surround you at many different times even you know in the unlikeliest places there are connections and personal relationships that come back to benefit you in an organic way where it's less targeted of like I'll work here and meet this person. I'm very good about championing other people and like pitching them. I feel very awkward about doing it about myself a lot of times. <laughs> and so I feel, you know, that is, those are the kinds of moments that I'm like, when things like that happen where people that I've worked with or people that I know and they sort of just always give me that little bit of that extra push. I think it's great just to be in touch with people and not to do that from, um, not even just from a networking perspective. I have found, you know, like I said, I, I worked for Mar Vista. I was the face of the money when I worked for Mar Vista. And you can tell within about six seconds whether somebody's like being friendly to you or sucking up to you. And if they're sucking up to you, it's like a horribly uncomfortable experience and you just want them to go away and never talk to you again. So, um, yeah, I would say just be in touch with people you like in the industry, you know, check in on them, see how they're doing, you know. Um, I think that's really important and not from like a networky perspective, but just a human perspective. Hey, what's going on? What are you working on? And uh, a lot of the time that does turn into work because, you know, you know LA, there's like 10 million people there and you work with somebody and a few months later you forget they exist and then, you know, if an email comes in from them, you're like, oh my gosh, we need an AD right now. What are you doing? This is also something I was super lucky having come out of school with, knowing a few directors who frequently came back to me as a cinematographer. And I mean, if you're a cinematographer, like the only thing you really need to do to ensure work is just like be friends with directors <laughs> and have repeat collaborators who are directors. And that like, that's, then you're set. Um, and I felt very lucky to have found like a, a, a number of directors who would continually come back to me. The most important all encompassing lesson is just really getting to know as many people as you can. If you can try to find a, a 
you know, invitations to, to mixers, you know, reach out to people on those Facebook groups, I need an assistant editor, or they have other ones where they just post mixers, you know, invitations and, and try to go and just, you know, don't, don't think of it like go there and make a million friends, just go and make one friend or, you know, just meet one person. And then the next one, meet another person, you know, and uh, I'm not saying go out there and schmooze, don't be phony, you know, be genuine, be yourself. But so many times I go to these mixtures, everybody's very excited to meet other people because, you know, that's just how this town is. You know, we're all, it's all about networking and, and, and building your connections and also just being upfront with what you want out of your career and telling people when it comes up, oh, I want to be an editor. Oh, I want to be a cinematographer, whatever your aspirations are. And people will remember that and be like, oh, well, maybe uh, I can introduce you to somebody who's looking for one of those things or willing to train one of those, you know? And when you're not meeting people, use your spare time to practice your craft. It doesn't always have to be like, oh, this is like the world's greatest movie. It's just how you went about making the movie that like makes people want to work with you. Okay, so I think the most important thing about going into film school is the expectation that you're not going there for gear, you're not going there for like equipment, you're not going there for bragging rights or anything like that. You're going there to connect with other filmmakers, mm. collaborators that you will you will work with with the rest of, for the rest of your life. So it's that means two things. I think it means that you you focus on relationships if you do go to film school and two you recognize that being, you know, kind and considerate of everybody is like <laughs> of you know <laughs> your best interest. It's just like it's very important and I think it's very it, it goes without saying I think but like at the end of the day the movies you make in film school don't matter it's how you go about making those movies that matters mm. and that's that will resonate throughout your career more than whatever the heck you made in film school but you can be everyone's favorite collaborator and that mm. will literally do wonders for you. So what does that look like being the favorite collaborator? I, I mean, I think it's, I think it just means that you're considerate of everybody's time and their efforts and, and you are empathetic in that you can see why somebody wants to do it a certain way and you're adaptable and you can roll with the punches and not let situations get the best of your emotions or anything like that i mean i think that's the point and recognizing that you know you guys have ambition and it's important that you have ambition you go get and you you strive for like the best possible outcome but you also recognize that you will not do that at the cost of burning a bridge i always try to let people be themselves. I don't try to force or enforce my ideals onto people per se. And I always try to uplift them and encourage them in what they're doing because I also know, I never know what anybody's going through at any point in time and any small thing that I say can either mean the world to them and if it's a positive thing and it can also absolutely destroy someone's day. Um, depending on what they're going through and so the same thing even happens from the flip side like if someone's having a terrible day and I don't know them um, and they might be letting it out on me I recognize that it usually doesn't have anything to do with me it might not even be a reflection mm. on that person it might just be the place that they are mentally right then and there and mm. so I never take it as a thing where it's like this person is an awful person. And obviously I'm not perfect. There are times where like, I let things get to me from both sides, but I do generally try to, you know, be as supportive as I can of people and affirm the people around me because I know it can be extremely difficult navigating, not just this industry, but life in general. And I think this goes back to the reason why I got into film. I think there's a beauty in people just doing the best they can and recognizing that and embracing it. Always treat people with respect and always treat people with love. Never force a situation and always keep going and never doubt yourself. It doesn't always have to be like, oh, this is like the world's greatest movie. It's just 
how you went about making the movie that like makes people want to work with you? So I think the most important thing about going into film school is the expectation that you're not going there for gear. You're not going there for like equipment. You're not going there for bragging rights or anything like that. You're going there to connect with other filmmakers, mm. collaborators that you will you will work with for the rest of your life. So it's th that means two things. I think it means that you you focus on relationships if you do go to film school and two you recognize that being you know kind and considerate of everybody is like <laughs> of you know your best interest it's just like it's very important and i think it's very it, it goes without saying i think but like at the end of the day the movies you make in film school don't matter it's how you go about making those movies that matters mm. And that's that will resonate throughout your career more than whatever the heck you made in film school. Especially on the commercial and music video side, how does the director communicate with the artist? How does the director communicate with the label or with the client? Those are things that are skills that maybe aren't as emphasized as much. Mm. You know, it, it becomes so much about the craft and the creativity and obviously that's important, but equally important I would say is how are you as a communicator? Can you make the artist feel comfortable to be in this video because if the answer is yes they'll hire you again they'll want to work with you again mm. you know how are you at communicating with a client or with a creative agency because ultimately if they feel like they're not being heard you can make the greatest commercial of all time but they're not going to want to hire you again but you can be everyone's favorite collaborator and that mm. will literally do wonders for you so what does that look like being the favorite collaborator i, I mean i think it's i think it just means that you're considerate of everybody's time and their efforts and and you are empathetic in that you can see why somebody wants to do it a certain way and you're adaptable and you can roll with the punches and not let situations get the best of your emotions or anything like that i mean i think that's the point and recognizing that you know you guys have ambition and it's important that you have ambition, you go get, and you, you strive for like the best possible outcome, but you also recognize that you will not do that at the cost of burning a bridge. As far as directing and personal projects go, I feel like I really only see myself making things in a very specific tone. And that tone, I keep saying tone, but the, the only reason I say that is because I, it's so hard to describe it. For me personally, I just don't know if I have the vocabulary to, other than to like make a movie and and show people what I'm talking about. Make your own movies. And I don't mean you're, don't try to make, you know, Dead Reckoning part one. You know, make a small film and get be used in front of the camera and get it out there and put it online for free and try to build uh, a resume and try to build a name. And if you're lucky, and that's what it comes down to, you get lucky and then you then after your luck, you become fortunate. Uh, those are two different things. Uh, but once you, once you break in, hopefully you can sustain a career, but it is, uh, it's hard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's tough. It does feel like there's a door and you're like cramming your head through the door and you can push the door open an inch. And it's interesting because I remember making short films and this was like right out of school and thinking like, oh, if I got into this festival, like I could get this to get this. And, you know, then I could like maybe meet someone to make a feature this way. And like none of that ever has worked. Anytime I have ever thought strategically like five moves ahead, it's like nothing has it worked or happened. But Weirdly, I did feel like just by making the movie, whether it was through creative, the creative work of doing it and learning a lesson, making it, that sustained me personally. It kept the fire going and it helped me learn more nuanced lessons about actually telling a story and making a film. Sometimes if you have an artistic vision, it's very difficult to put into words and sort of really explain what it's gonna look like or what it's gonna kind of do for people in the end. And I think sometimes it's like that with a lot of technologists, you know, and we're geeks, you know, we're not really good at using words and expressing ourselves. So sometimes you just kind of have to do it and just make the thing. And then people kind of judge it from there or it doesn't become 
you don't actually explain it until you've actually created the prototype or something. So yeah, you get to work with a lot of talented people when you work at a place like DreamWorks. And so I always kind of loved asking people, what gave you your edge? What made, what, what really kind of helped you get a job here? And invariably, it was usually always something people did on the side at home. Something that like, so it wasn't just their core academic school experience. It was like, oh, they were trying to make animations at home, you know, out of Lego or something like that. Or, you know, oh, they actually tried writing a video game on the side at home. I think it's really good to have the mentality when you watch movies that there's no such thing as a bad movie. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because there's always something to appreciate about a movie, even if it's not quote unquote highly rated, you can still appreciate the cinematography of a, a like a poorly written movie, or you can still appreciate the writing of a poorly shot movie, or you can still appreciate the music of something that doesn't like, you know, everything else kind of fell apart, you know? I think finding ways to dissect the different components of what goes into a film is super important because then you can kind of speak to those elements separately and appreciate them uh, at face value. And the more movies you watch, the more you'll be able to kind of form your own taste and recognize what you like and the different elements of different movies that you like. And that's when you start to develop your own voice. I, I kind of get bummed out when I see a, a movie with a group of friends and people are oh, that just wasn't good. Oh my gosh, that was just lame. I'm like, I thought it was, I, I, even bad movies are hard to make. Let's show a little appreciation, you know? It kind of makes you marvel when we get anything done in Hollywood, which is why every time any movie comes out, I feel like I want to be at the back of the theater, like clapping, being like, you did it. You made something because <laughs> it always feels impressive to me just to just to get anything done. I think a lesson I'm constantly just having to there's like a balance as a producer and especially as the producer who is running the company that this job is is running through. Right. Is, in, you know, in charge. And there's that constant balance that need, needs to be struck between yeah the logistics and what makes sense. And where do you really try to let the creativity dictate a decision? And that can be really hard because when you're the one that's responsible for all the finances, it's it can be hard to be like, let's take this risk in some way, mm -hmm. you know? So building trust with directors and trusting some, some of the directors I work with are a bit older. They have a lot more experience, some of them. And, and so it's like trusting them with some of the creative decisions and that things will, will fall into place. And so letting go in some areas, I'd say that. So maybe that's the lesson. Mm -hmm. um, where, where can you let go? You know, and, and, and it's like, it's hard as a producer. You want to control everything. And sometimes you, you just... You have to let it go. Uh, I think, I don't know that I could have, I think it's less that I needed an ideal mentor that I needed to be less afraid to ask, right? I I felt, and I, this is partly my personality and maybe it's part of a producer's personality, I felt it was my job to fix the problem, right? And so I was always felt sort of hardwired to figure out, I must know the answer. And I think as I've gotten older and probably better at everything I do, I've gotten more able to say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let me see who I can ask. I've gotten better at that. In my ideal world, the problems I would have faced is, would, would have purely just been business problems, you know? Like, okay, I'll, I got I got to solve how to, you know, make these quarterly revenues. I got to solve this creative problem. But instead, the thing that was stopping me from all of this, doing this, was the emotional problems, the, the emotional growth and mental growth. Becoming more emotionally mature was the thing I needed to do. And it was like, ugh. This is the one thing I didn't want to do. I thought I was <laughs> the one thing I didn't want to invest well, I, in. Well, because I, you know, growth is difficult, right? And I was just like, I just, I, I like to view myself at the time as a fully formed person. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, you know. That's, you know, that's, that's kind of like a like classic teenagers, right? You know, they want to, you know, you want to be seen as mature, right? And getting going into your 20s and you know, growing and becoming like an adult is kind of realizing, oh, there's still a lot of growing to do, you know. And I, once I realized that and I accepted, you know, I was open to changing, then I was just like, okay, now I'm able to actually, you know, run a business with my best friend and thrive, you know, and not... I'm your best friend? And let's not get too overzealous. All right. right. <laughs> so. Everything else, I think, is a forever learning process. There's never a job that I'm on that I don't learn something new, truly. And I know it's like such a 
cliche thing to say and people say it all the time but it's absolutely true because you always have to be open to like learning new things and new techniques and I think that's what makes us better and more efficient artists and I think it's just beneficial to everybody to always view things that way you know you're never gonna know things like the best way someone's always gonna have like a cooler method to do something and that's absolutely okay so yeah I think I think school just gave me a lot of the fundamentals to work with but every single job that I've had moving forward has just built upon that yeah writing is not supposed to be easy if it's easy you're probably not writing very well writing is supposed to challenge you and honestly make you feel dumb and like a piece of crap until then you break through and you're like oh that's it and that's the process. You always think that it's your last job, but a new opportunity will present itself as long as you're like open to trying different things. And I think I became more open to like different paths that my career could go. And that helped me get into my current position. I would just say, keep your options open and also be kind of humble and know what's really truly important to you to keep because you might not have an opportunity given to you exactly the same way as you're imagining it, but that doesn't mean that it's not an opportunity and it doesn't mean that, you know, doing a commercial doesn't teach you something that you're gonna be really, really grateful for later when you do a film or, or vice versa. So you just don't really know mm. where it's gonna come from. We've turned a few things down that just didn't align. Mm. We just, they didn't align. Our brand is really important to us. Our image and likeness is very important to us. So yeah, if something is really just not aligned with that, that's not gonna to happen. I have to believe that when we turn things down like that, that just feel so incredibly tempting, but are not aligned, God is going to give you like whatever you believe in. Something is going to come, come your in. way. That's the right fit. Yeah. That's just so incredible and beautiful and aligned and all of that. So yeah. I've also always turned down like there was a TV show that was filming on the same day as my sister's bridal shower or something like that. It would have been a huge opportunity back then for me, but it, no, absolutely not. It was my sister's bridal shower, so I turned it down. For me, I know my values. It's my my family, my friends, number one. My business, of course, of course, but, and then, you know, what's right, what's wrong. You know, those are really important. So just following that compass. Career building is community building because you wanna, if you're making art, you wanna not only share like a creative aesthetic and a work ethic, but I think it's very important to have value alignment because, yeah. you know, when you're working you know the way you can in film 100 hours a week you know if you're working with people who make your skin crawl because they don't you know they're hateful or you know just not don't share your perspective on the world then you know it makes it all the harder and the work is hard enough without that so and so i i think that's like a huge huge responsibility as a filmmaker um at a bare minimum not to be putting stuff out in the culture that's making it worse um and ideally to be putting stuff out in the culture that, you know, lifts us up and, and makes us, you know, good to each other. When you start your career, have in mind the lines that you will not cross. Like, I am not going to make a movie that glorifies violence against women or against children or against animals or whatever that is. Mm. You know, um, I will not, yeah. you know, do bedroom scenes. Whatever, whatever your lines are that you think are important, I would say identify those up front because when the time comes, it's so easy to say like, well, do I really care about, does it matter that much? So I think have that conversation with yourself early on. I made a promise to myself and at this when I teach writing, this is one of the biggest pieces of advice I give is um, you have to show up for yourself. So I decided that I was gonna write every Sunday for three or four hours, no matter what else was going on. And you know, I declined brunch invitations and you know, no matter where I was on Sunday, I would write. It is so hard to balance, I feel like working a full-time job and also write, um, but you really just, need to be committed to it and I think something that helps me a lot is just reminding myself why I do it and reconnecting I guess with the ideas that made me want to become a writer initially. I'm actually, it's so cheesy but I keep this little folder on my phone of just these screenshots of maybe emails I got or messages I received related to writing or people's reactions to writing that reminds me 
of why I write and what I value and what I want to create in content going forward. So whenever I'm feeling disillusioned by like the instability or unpredictability of this industry, I take a look at that and try to reconnect with what I want to write and what's important to me so that I don't lose sight of it and just, yeah, go for any opportunity and settle for anything less. Write a lot. I mean, that's sort of the one thing you can control is how much you're actually, you know, outputting and to not get too precious over any, any individual script. You know, there's no secret to it. You wake up early. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard, uh, but, and I'm still trying to develop this skill, but a showrunner friend of mine, she, she explained to me once, she's like, look, if you want to do this, you have to be able to juggle five things at once. She's talking about writing projects, right? She's like, you cannot be the kind of person who needs 45 minutes to get into the zone. You have to find a way to sit down and write a scene in 25 minutes between, you know, helping your kid with their homework and reading the, or, you know, reading the new draft that came in um, from your staff writer for episode 12. Like, you just have to be able to get in the zone quickly. So that's a practice thing. Uh, and then when I was really working hard, I would try to just wake up before everybody else and write early. That that tends to work for me. I think it's really important for people who want to write. They're like, oh, what advice do you have? Well, my first one is to write, which sounds very basic, but how often as writers do we put things off for personal reasons or there's a million different things. But what I learned to do is for me, every morning uh, workout is non-negotiable. I go to Nine Round, which is a kickboxing gym and get my workout in and come back. It sets my day off right. You have to think of of your writing or whatever craft you're you're in the same way. It's non-negotiable time. Treat it like that workout. Treat it like whatever habit that you have that you're very consistent with. And for me, it's it's time. It's less, oh, I want to do three to five pages. I think that's not very helpful because some days you'll be rewriting and you'll cut six pages. That's a productive day, but you didn't do three pages, right? So for me, it's more about the time, especially now that I'm, I'm writing full time. It's important that I get, you know, X amount of hours in every day. I think it's really hard when you're discouraged sometimes to make yourself like write, but when you're in production, when you're, in, when, you're in, when you're in prep, when you're in post, there's just really not a lot of time for like that kind of deep creative work. And so absolutely take every moment of it you can and make the most of it. If you want to be a writer, right because there's 10 million people out there with great ideas who never put them to paper and of the ones that get put to paper maybe one percent ever make it past the first draft and you know writing they say is rewriting and it's really just actually spending the time to sit down crank out scripts get feedback on them try and fix them and just be constantly writing because if you're not doing that you're not you're not getting far you know, just keep going, keep going. And also, I, at that point, I'm smack dab in the middle of college and just enjoy it. Like we were talking about earlier of like, mm. I so remember, at least in film school, this feeling of like really, really wanting it, you know, gri gripping the rails tightly, I should say, and just like relax and enjoy the fact that you're in um, a really creative place with a lot of people. Girl, enjoy. Enjoy, be the biggest version of yourself. Know that your future is gonna be so exciting. There's so much, the best is yet to come, honey. So just enjoy these moments, enjoy, and you're gonna get rejections, but you're also gonna have these beautiful experiences. And it's all about being in the moment and being true to yourself and having fun. Follow the fun, follow the fun. Enjoy yourself while you can and have all the fun, build a lot of connections, make more friends, and try to enjoy what you're doing. Well, actually, like, this is the dream. You know, this is the process, and what a beautiful thing, and how appreciative, at least for me, I felt to be pursuing this dream and to be able to do that. There was something that I really took to heart recently. I was having a conversation with a friend about someone who they had a crush on, and I said to them, wow, sorry if I'm talking really safe here. Um, I'm just very protective of you and I don't want you to get heartbroken. And they were like, oh, Perry, I'm not gonna be heartbroken just because someone doesn't like me. I have great friends, a great family, a great career. I have all these other things in my life and that's just one small part of it. And I just loved that attitude so much, so mature and healthy and logical. Um, so I would love to just tell myself that, especially in this career that where there can be so many ups and downs, that there is so much more to your life. Um, so call your family, have fun times with your friends, 
and do things that you really love and keep being a beginner and doing new things as well. Thank you for listening to this special episode of No Set Path, the best of 2023 for episode number 23. This episode contained clips from interviews with No Set Path, all of which are published anywhere you listen to podcasts. The speakers included Brian Tang, Kristen Rancaccio, Alessandra Conti, Nina Sadowski, Janine Pastores, Josh Jackson, YB Chang Biste, Perry Siegel, Mike Grimm, Amelia Warinska, Alex O'Keefe, David Weddle, Ryan Lee, Megan Reese, Clay Savage, Jack Powers, Matthew Jensen, Noah Schechter, Becca Mann, Leah Yvonne Kwong, Katrina Kudlick, Matt McClung, Mark J. Matthews, Michael Ritter, and John Bird. I hope this inspired you to do your best work in 2024. See you in two weeks for our regularly scheduled episodes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Set Path. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate it and share it with a friend, especially if you can think of someone who might benefit from the knowledge that was shared here today. You can keep up with the podcast on all social platforms at No Set Path Show or on the website at www.nosetpathshow.com. Thanks so much for being part of this community and we'll talk to you soon.